Hello, and welcome to Embodying Change, a podcast about cultivating care and compassion in aid and development. My name is Melissa Pitotti, and today you'll hear me talk with Hope Chigudu. She facilitated with Marianne Clements a big global gathering that was held virtually on May 20th and 21st. The theme was Living Our Values, Care, Culture, and Power in Aid Organizations. Hope Chigudu is a feminist activist and a gender organizational and development practitioner. In her earlier days in the women's movement, she co-founded the Zimbabwe Women's Resource Center and Network. She later served as chair of the board of Urgent Action Fund Africa, and prior to this as chair of the Global Fund for Women. I first got to know Hope's work when reading a guide she co-authored called Strategies for Building Organizations with a Soul, which I highly recommend. In our conversation today, you'll hear Hope start off by making an observation. As people dedicated to promoting well-being in the world, well-being for girls, for boys, men, women, animals, nature, we sure are working ourselves to the point that many of us have our own well-being suffer as a consequence. Without further ado, I hope you enjoy this conversation as much as I did. I'm so pleased to have with us on the podcast today, Hope Chigudu. Uh, Hope uh, co-facilitated with Mary Ann Clements the global gathering that was held um, May 20th and 21st on living our values, care, culture, and power in aid organizations. Uh, Hope, I first got to know you uh, when I was doing some reading for the Working Well Report. Um, Mm -hmm. I read this document called Strategies (laughs) for Building an Organization with a Soul that you wrote with uh, Rudo Chiguru. And uh, I have to tell you that it made me want to read it again and again. I felt there's so much great insight here. I'd recommend it to any of our listeners who want to go deep there. Um, But after reading this and getting to know your work a bit more, I've been really inspired. So uh, would you like to introduce yourself to our visitors who might be unfamiliar with you? Uh, Thanks very much, Melissa. I hope, I'm Hope, and uh, I, I live in Uganda and Zimbabwe. Mm-hmm. My interest in the well-being of individuals, and, of individuals, organizations, and communities mm-hmm. came from realizing that we work, 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 till we almost drop dead, mm-hmm. and we are doing that in the name of well-being but we never take care of ourselves. And somehow we imagine that the bodies will sustain themselves. We imagine that well-being is going to be something that perhaps will happen in another world. We imagine that we will never die. You know, we are going to work, work, work. And I started questioning work that Mm -hmm. takes away, takes away and never gives back. Mm-hmm. Oh, I started, and I also started wondering about bodies that give and give and give, but never replenish. Mm. And I also saw how hard it was for communities to sustain themselves to be, to really be happy if they were not well. And with that, I started talking about well-being and, mm-hmm. you know, organizational sustainability, because I think there is no sustainability if you are not well. I can totally relate to that. Um, As someone who worked and didn't replenish, I couldn't work anymore after Mm -hmm. five months. I had to take five months off. Um, And uh, this idea that uh, people who are working in humanitarian aid, who are working in social justice, Mm -hmm. who are working in promoting feminism and uh, promoting equity. that is about a society's well-being. So it's interesting mm-hmm. how the way that we work may be out of alignment with what we are trying to achieve at the end. Um, mm. When you were co-facilitating with Mary Ann, the global mm. gathering, we had so many different interesting conversations on looking at the connection, for example, between power 
mm-hmm. culture and this idea of care, care that we yeah. give to ourselves and our colleagues. Um, mm. Do you want to say anything about these kind of the connections or the weaving between these concepts, uh, what they might have to do with each other? Yes. Um, it takes a little path, inner path, to be well. It takes a lot of power uh, to, to, to even stop and say, you know, I, I'm not well, there is something I, I need to do. It takes that, it takes inner power and it takes security. You have to be secure inside. But it also takes time to understand that wellness is not an individual thing. Mm-hmm. It's a, it, it has to be part of a community. It has to be part of culture, depending on where you are. Anyway, I think wherever you are, if you are working in an organization, no matter that you try to be well, if the culture of the organization is one of diminishing, if it is the one of disempowering, Mm -hmm. if it is one of, you know, making you invisible contract, then definitely you are never going to be well. And if you also stay in a community that is not empowering, where everything you do is rubbish, everything you do, you are not seen, you are not heard. You know, your, your, your voice is, is caught in the throat. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not coming out. Then you are, you are, you are, you are not also going to be uh, replenished. It's a, it's a disempowering culture. And I know cultures differ. Some cultures are empowering of the young especially, you know, uh, 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 in communities that work together. Some cultures, organizational cultures, are also, you know, optimistic. They, they, you, you go in and you feel, you know, happy and empowered, and eventually your voice becomes stronger. Yet some cultures, you know, are intimidating. You go in, you are not even supposed to go in with, with who you are, the whole of you. You are supposed to take bits of you that are respected. And the bits that are not respected, which, which those bits contain your heart, are supposed to be left out there. So you imagine you're in, a, in an organization, they are taking bits they respect. The bits they respect is minus your heart, mm. but plus your brain. And in this culture where you are, they want you to give your best. But sometimes your best is not with you because they forced you to leave it at the gate. Mm. So you work in this culture and even that territory that you put in is taken away from you. And by the time you, you get out, you are completely and totally disappointed. But the other thing is that you could harden up, harden up till you also mm. become very cynical. Harden mm. up till you say, whatever happens, happens. Let me go get my money and get out of here. <laughs> there is a possibility to, of undermining. You also become an underminer. Powanda, you know, you exercise powanda, you start undermining because you've got unexpressed rage. Mm. And when unexpressed rage opens, it's like a pressure cooker, which is just, which you open unexpectedly, and the entire house, you know, is, is just on fire. It's not fire, it's steam, but steam that mm-hmm. is like fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you, you have a inside. You, you just imagine if you leave your heart wherever you leave it, go to work, you don't have it, it means that you keep harboring everything, everything, everything is harbored inside. And one day, it will definitely, the body will not contain it. It will be excess and you just burst. And when you are burst, they get rid of you. So that is where I see a connection between culture, power. What was the third one? Care. And care. You know, there is that. And I think care doesn't really mean that someone is going to carry on their backs. No. Mm-hmm. Care, even greeting in the morning is care. Mm-hmm. You know, Melissa, someone who, whom you meet and that person expands you because they, they, they look at you for who you are. Mm-hmm. They, they, they love or they say they love the things that, you know, that are nice about you, that are positive and the, 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 the bad ones. They, they keep worried about them or they bring them in a nice way, <laughs> in a nice <laughs> way. Affirmation, you know, in itself, you know, can, can really be uh, something that an organization takes on as part of its culture. It's a, 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 a tradition of caring, yeah. 
Yes, and we could talk about this later too uh, in your um, strategies for building an organization with a soul. There's a lot of talk about soul song and ritual and, and these things, mm-hmm. it's co- common greetings or other mm-hmm. things that it doesn't have to cost a lot of money or it can be very simple to just say good morning to someone, really see that person so they feel seen and heard. Mm-hmm. Um, in the global gathering, we held a variety of sessions uh, looking back, for example, at the regional conversations that you helped to facilitate with, um, with some others, uh, looking at cultivating compassion and care. We had sessions on data, looking at measuring well-being as an organizational priority looking at the core standard, which has indicators about culture and care and power. Uh, We had sessions on organizational culture, uh, transforming culture. Uh, We had uh, mindful reflections. We had uh, a session where we did resilience. We looked at poetry. We had a session on leadership. We looked at free writing. Uh, We had a community information exchange where we looked at different players in our community who are doing important work. Um, And at the end, we had a kind of a collective visioning uh, where people kind of, they say dreaming is free. We kind of dream together what uh, an organization, if we started from scratch, what it could look like and what we'd like to do together. So I'm thinking, I know it's been a while since the global gathering took place and a lot has happened since then. Uh, but I wonder, Hope, if you if anything stood out for you that still resonates with you since then in terms of your reflections on the global gathering. <laughs> um, gosh, it's, it's very difficult because most of the things you've outlined are related one way or the other. And they were all yummy, yummy, you know, really beautiful <laughs> stuff that came out. And uh, it, it's very difficult to take any. But I think what stood out most for me is leadership, because that's where it starts and ends. Mm-hmm. Um, as I, I always say that fish starts rotting from the head. If yes. a head of an organization or someone leading an organization spends a night in that office tomorrow or the following day, other people spend a night in the office. Because they want to be seen, they want to be praised, and they think one way of being seen and being praised is when you spend a night in the office. If the leader, you know, goes around greeting people, greeting everyone, you know, and 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 knows their name, those at least that he can remember, everyone will start valuing everyone else. So affirmation starts from the leadership, creating cultures of care, creating cultures that understand power and address it openly without hiding it. Creating cultures of making everyone visible starts right at the top. And that's why for me, leadership is everything. It's everything. Yeah, we can talk to you, cows come home. But if leadership is very poor, I'm not so sure that we will go very far. Mm. Not poor, but inconsiderate. Yes. Yeah. We have been uh, trying to reach out to different leaders of different organizations and have the conversation with Mm. them. And I found that, uh, let's say we approach an organization and we say, we wanna talk to your leader in this location. Um, I find that several people in the organization would like to be part of it because they consider themselves leaders as well, even if they're not the CEO. Um, mm. And then I and, and and I thought, oh, am I in this kind of um, mindset where I, I recognize that there is a hierarchy in most organizations? <clears throat> mm. Mm. What do you what do, what do you think about this issue of hierarchy in terms of uh, definitely the 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 leader at the top has to be uh, engaged and on board. Mm-hmm. There are other people in the organization too who might also have a lot of power in that setting or yeah. who, who mm-hmm. aspire to that. So this is something I'm struggling with now is uh, how to engage that conversation with le- leaders, informal leaders and formal leaders. Yeah, uh, I think I like we, we, yeah, we can't, you know, we can't deny that it's not there. Even in feminist organizations, it's there. But it's the way you, 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 it is the way one uses it. It is the way one accepts the responsibilities that go with it. 
accepts there is power, you can't deny that, but also accepts that that power has got to be used to, to support others, support the organization, support others, because the, whoever has power, you know, was not acquired some from others as well, you know. Um, so there is power, but is the power I have going to support other people? Do I open doors for them? Do I, you know, start conversations that get the best out of them? Do I use my power? I keep using this word to expand those who report to me. I, or do I use it to shrink them? Do I use my power to amplify their voices? How do I use my power? And of course, different circumstances and different times will require different uses of power or different uses of different kinds of power. That's acceptable. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we, we, a good leader will know that they are informal leaders as well, and they make things move. Every time you want to organize, there is this person people look at. Every time, you know, something is happening, they are waiting, they are waiting to hear his or her voice. Every time, so there are informal leaders that, that are there. And then there are real middle-level managers. And I think real managers, the middle-level managers, the one with formal power, mm-hmm. they, they also take the lead from the head. Mm-hmm. If they know the head won't accept, they won't accept. Yeah. If they know this is not the, 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 the person values, they are not going to value that. So they, they take uh, the lead from there. There is an organization that wanted me to talk about well-being. And then, you know, the, the, the head of the organization said to me, yeah, but don't talk about power. We, we don't want that stuff about power. You know, once you gain power, people are going to get lost in it. Why would anyone be so insecure as not to want to talk about power? It, it, my talking about power is not going to take your power away. So we have those, Melissa, you know, we have those in organizations. But I think if you go to an organization, you know, um, where you start from the entry point, it depends on the, the, the structure of the organization. You know, some organizations, you know, it really, you know, they, they are, people are semi-autonomous. They do the right thing. Even if you go to um, someone very junior, you say, we want to do this and that, can you organize it? They will, depending on the culture. Some, even, even reading a letter, they will need permission from their bosses, as they call them. And some will not cough before checking to see if the, 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 the supervisor is happy. So I think it all depends on the culture of the organization. Uh, and that will be your, 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 your entry point. Anyway. I mean, what else can you do? You have to take the context as it is and then see how you can make the most of it. And uh, sometimes we work with organizations that are huge and you'll see mm-hmm. within one organization, you'll see both. You'll see mm-hmm. a, t- a team that the... Uh, a staff member feels like they have to ask for permission from their supervisor oh. for everything. And then you'll see a team where the individuals act, act very autonomously. It's so interesting how human we are and our differences in relating to each other. But this brings me to um, the next part. I wanted to share with you some of the things that we heard from the participants of the Global Gathering in the yeah. survey results. Mm-hmm. So uh, the first question we asked our participants is, how do you feel after attending the global gathering? Mm -hmm. And uh, almost 70% said they feel inspired by Mm -hmm. new ideas, Mm -hmm. which is great. Um, Mm -hmm. Almost almost 50% feel better connected to others who are interested in similar topics. Um, over 40% said they feel more present and mindful. Maybe that's because we included space for time to reflect in most of the program. Um, and almost 20% said they feel tired. Yeah. I can relate to that tiredness. I, I really think we have to be careful in the way that we share this information because sometimes it's like if you are not doing anything and you are finished, what are you up to? You are not you are you are, you are you are not with it, you are not current, you don't know what is going on, you don't know what conversations are going on. So that people wake up and say, Oh my god, there is all being again. <laughs> and <laughs> I wish there wasn't. Uh, because they have said, you know, that this is what they did. 
So I, I think well-being really is not a punishment. It might not be something that everyone does every day at the same time, although we all take care of our well-being no matter what. But it shouldn't be something that you wake up and groan and stretch and fear getting out of bed because it's there. Yeah. Uh, and then everyone is, is talking. I, you know, everyone is trying to talk about something and then you, you don't know if you are doing the right thing or you mm. don't know if you are different from others or you don't know. And if things crash and things don't work, then you are blamed for not having done the well-being stuff. Mm. Yeah, but but even then, there is even for those whom it is a good idea. <laughs> you know, sustainability is very, very, very difficult. Mm. Um, you 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 get out of there and you are very excited and you know that tomorrow <laughs> the the earth is going to move. You know, I'm going to do myself and I'll see. You know, uh, changes in my body. Then you wake up tomorrow; it's raining, so you can't walk. Another day um, you are late, so you can't walk. Another day the dog disappeared at night, so you can't, you know, you can't go out. You, we need rituals. We need rituals to keep us going. Whether they are organizational rituals, whether they are individual rituals, whether they are community rituals, we need them. And if you look at most societies that have sustained their culture or themselves, they have done so through rituals. Religious institutions are very, very good at rituals. The thing is that a ritual mind reminds you it's not a punishment, it's not like anything will happen, but you are reminded. You are reminded, oh, you know, I have to do this. I don't know if one can sustain well being without rituals. So I guess <laughs> the, the choosing of the rituals has to be uh, yeah. suited to the people involved, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, but I think rituals mean that, you know, you are, you, you, yes, it's there, but it's not an obligation. You, it's a reminder. It's mm-hmm. someone who taps you on the shoulder and whispers. Mm-hmm. And you have a right to listen to them, or you have a right to tell them to go to, and come back tomorrow, or a right to say, yeah, 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 thank you, but not now. Mm-hmm. Well, in the survey results, we asked people, what topics would they like to, to learn about more? What mm. collaboration would they like to see? In terms mm. of topics, there's a, a real interest in, for example, a lot of people are doing remote working where mm. they used to be working face-to-face. So how mm. do you mean, what are some strategies to maintain well-being and productivity while you're remote working? How can we mm. support our staff, especially if they're not in the same location? How mm. do we um, look at issues of inclusion as it relates to well-being? Um, how do we bring in this care aspect into leadership? Because leaders are under stress too. Um, there's a big discussion about, can we learn more about values? Can we learn mm. more about language, active listening? Um, Mm -hmm. on the power topics, how can we address this? Basically, we have power imbalance in our organizations and across the sector. Mm -hmm. uh, We'd love to learn more about decolonizing, a decolonizing well-being. Um, There's looking at what are the systemic obstacles that we Mm -hmm. are facing. You know, if we if we have inside our organizations, a lot of intentionality about shifting our culture, but we're anchored in systems that are toxic. Um, if we're really becoming professionalized in a way that strips out the heart, uh, how do we influence funders who are sustaining our work to invest more in this? How do we bring in accountability at the same time as we bring in compassion and care. So these are some of the things that people were listing as what they'd like to learn more about. Does any of that stand out for you or resonate with you? Or what 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 comes to mind when you hear these topics? Language stands out for me and uh, 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 and structures. Mm -hmm. Language in the sense that you know, we, we tend to, of course, I mean, language expresses who we are. Mm. But then, you know, when we use the same language, talk to different audiences and think that they are going to understand what we are talking about, we are mistaken. Mm. 
I try to think about what I would call well-being in my language, the mm. way we are talking about it now. Mm-hmm. And I have no words. You know, I can't. If I, if I had to go and talk to my people about well-being, first of all, they would be surprised why I'm worried about this because, I mean, is that a topic? Is that something? One, don't you have anything to do? Because <laughs> in, the work that, in the work that they do, I think well-being is embedded. Mm-hmm. True, sometimes women really, really, really get tired. Even the men get tired. But they know that once they go home after work, they are going to be in a circle. They will be singing. Mm-hmm. They will be dancing. They have those rituals. Mm-hmm. Then they are going to eat. And eating is going to be communal. Mm-hmm. And they are going to go and get water and it's going to be communal. The mm-hmm. men might be in their corner doing their own thing, which is not always bad because they give women space, but they might be in their corner doing their own thing. But usually whatever they are doing, I can't imagine anyone doing it alone. It's always communal. So they do separate very much, you know, work and well-being. I cannot imagine a person staying home and saying, today I'm going to take care of my well-being. They might say, I'm going to do lighter work, rest, because I have to rest, why is it? But well-being is part of what you do. To every activity, there is something that adds, that, you know, enhances your wellness. Mm-hmm. Um, so that is, that, that is the, the issue of language, that we have to find the, the language within organizations and different contexts. Because mm-hmm. I realize that the language I use in feminist circles is very different from the language I use in mainstream organizations. They will understand things differently. Even the issue of power is understood differently. Even when you tell people to close your eyes, you find women have closed and the men's eyes are open. Generally, in general, I'm, I'm, I'm overgeneralizing here, but that's what I've seen, that we, we, are, we don't mind little things. The feminists don't mind little things, you know, that, you know, uh, increase their awareness, candle here, you know, water here and there. So language is, I think, everything. And we need to start interrogating this language of well-being, language of care, language of love, language of sustainability, so that it speaks to different contexts and people understand and don't become disillusioned. Mm. The, the, the other one is accountability. I'm interested in accountability because mm. many of us are so, so, so accountable to different structures, so accountable to everyone except us. So if I have an appointment with you, Melissa, I mm-hmm. you saw I was eager to, you know, to make sure that it happens and I mm-hmm. check in before to make sure everything works. But if I have an appointment with Hope, do I do the same? Ah, yeah, I, I think we are taught to be accountable to the external, not the internal. And yet that internal, you know, accountability is so much needed so that the external can be stronger. And I fear, again, that sometimes the way we talk about wellness takes away that accountability element. We, we, we are asking organizations, do this, do this, do that. But after organizations have done that, are you going to do your bit? Are you going to be accountable to yourself, starting with yourself? And organizations themselves, are they doing it because they are accountable to themselves so they want to be able to write and tell the world that we have got a culture of care? You know, it's so empowering. Our workers are, are happy. What does accountability mean, organization accountability? What does community accountability mean? I think without thinking about accountability, again, our labor might be in vain. We'll go on and on and job comes taken for and there is nothing accountable. But the, the thing that perhaps I'd like to emphasize here again and again is to encourage people to be accountable to themselves because it's their bodies. That is so powerful. I, I, I was thinking about this because I have tried to be... Uh, is in speaking of language, how do you describe that? Uh, in English, you can use the word obliger. This means um, uh, by some people, you uh, feel obliged to do what other people want. But when it comes to what you want, maybe that comes second. Mm-hmm. Uh, oblige, I feel I feel like accountability, I have to have external accountability to keep my keep my rituals to keep my 
my if I want to exercise or eat healthy mm-hmm. or maintain a good contact with my family or these things. So that's really you're bringing up a really good point because in the in the core humanitarian standard it talks about well-being and it talks mm-hmm. about responsibilities of the organization of the managers mm-hmm. but also of the individuals. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I guess what yeah. you were saying earlier is the individual uh, I guess first have to be aware if, mm. they, if they're just working, 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 giving, giving, mm. giving, giving, and they don't even realize what's happening till it's too mm-hmm. late it and be mm-hmm. challenging. And when one grows in a patriarchal culture, that external accountability becomes the, the order of the day. If you grow up in a cross culture, if you, you grow up in any culture that doesn't consider everyone, you know, that happens. And I think even in organizations, then after all, our organizational structures are very patriarchal in a number of ways. You have the head of the family and the mother and the father, they are there in between. So those structures that we have, mm-hmm. many of them encourage upward accountability. Mm-hmm. You go upward, you account, and that's the, you know, you are ticked, and that is, you know, the end of that. So accountability is very much connected. Let me say it's intersectional, if you mm. think about it, yeah. Mm. I've heard some uh, role plays uh, in organizations that are trying to look at diversity, equity, inclusion, mm-hmm. belonging, um, where they might see a colleague or hear a colleague say something that can be harmful mm-hmm. to another person, especially from a marginalized group, um, and uh, mm-hmm. I've heard it described as social accountability, where mm-hmm. where you see your peer or someone in your team doing something, mm-hmm. and you 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 come to the person with love, and mm-hmm. uh, bring bring it to their attention that what they did might um, might be misunderstood or might be causing harm. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard, have you ever thought of this idea of social accountability, where you've got you've got the individual piece? But you also, yeah. as a as a as a kind of group of humans that are working together, yeah. you feel yeah. the you feel the the safety and trust to be able to bring yeah. up to someone if there's there's some behavior that needs uh, some addressing. Mm. I know of social accountability from groups that lend money. You have to return, but you have to put pressure on the other person to mm. also return the money they borrowed. And I think it's more or less the same thing. But you know, Melissa, it really starts with political awareness. Mm. Even to have the security, inner security to go to a person and that person has got inner security to listen is some work. So my fear is that we are not spending time raising that political awareness. We are not, you know, we are not raising, we are not spending time talking about who we are and how we deal with power in our spaces, private spaces, but also in, 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 in where we work. Mm. We are not creating spaces where we build trust. Mm. The values that we are talked about, you know, uh, are around, where we can talk about our values in an open way and where we can agree, yes, I made a mistake. And, mm. you know, I need this. I need to put this right. So security too is individual and collective. An organization where people are secure, you know, they will speak out, but in an organization where people are not secure, you know, uh, they won't. So we, 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 we need to keep thinking about security. What does it mean to be in an organization and you are secure and you can apologize and, you know, you can say, no, I'm sorry, I didn't know. And you can really stand out and say that there is so much that I learned, but there is a lot more that I don't. Yes, I think that gets at the heart of what is a kind of a barrier right now in um, discussions around uh, creating cultures in organizations where people feel comfortable to report if they see something that uh, there mm-hmm. might be some abuse or some bullying or some mishandling of resources. Uh, there has to be this feeling of safety um, mm-hmm. to be able to have that conversation so what would that look like? What would that look like to have a uh, political awareness uh, raising in a safe space? Would that be mm-hmm. part of the ritual where you would have some kind of gathering periodically to think about that or? Mm-hmm. 
Um, it, it has to be part of our strategic plans. It has to be part of our thinking. Remember how we did gender training? <laughs> Every opportunity we got, we talked about gender training. That happened before you were born, but I think even in your own time, uh, I, I, even now, I, I'm, I'm sure, you know, uh, it's the same, you do it. So it's, it's, it's taking every opportunity mm-hmm. to ensure that people are safe, to talk about safety. It's ensuring that part of training that organizations do, you know, because if well-being is important, we should also build capacity around it so that part of the training that organizations do has got those elements of capacity. So acquiring the capacity, the resources, the tools to get well, mm. but much more talking about it so much that it becomes the language, you know, in everything one does, whether one is writing about a report that is going to be read by external people, whatever it is. If this is important, then it should be part of every, of every um, activity, every report, every planning, everything that we do. It becomes the DNA of the organization mm-hmm. because after all, isn't that what we are working for? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we are working for well-being of the world. We are working for well-being of individuals, of groups, of of different, of animals, whatever it is, of nature. But that's what we are working for. Yeah. Mm. Our um, survey results also came up with some uh, ideas of things that people would love to see mm. more more of. Um, People would love to see more. Uh, some people call them stories. Some people call mm. it ca- some people call it case studies. Some people call mm. it best practices, best failures. Um, mm. This idea of there, there's a lot happening in different organizational contexts. There's a lot mm. of learning, learning happening. Can we share that learning in ways that people can really? Um, appreciate and I guess through storytelling is one of the best ways we have for communicating Mm, mm. yes I I think that is something that has been done but in a scattered way Mm -hmm. there are case studies but they are not together Uh, and I think even you Melissa you know some and one organization will not cover everything Mm -hmm. Each organization will concentrate on one aspect and perhaps not the other. So it shouldn't be one case study, but several case studies that operate differently. Mm-hmm. If you are working from home, a question that was asked you know, earlier on, it's very different from an organization that is working together if you are spreading different parts, but also depending very much on the age of the organization and uh, the systems that they have in place. So case studies, uh, yes. And bearing in mind that different organizations will take different approaches, and there isn't one, you know, uh, there isn't one huge, huge, huge tent where all can be accommodated. But they are different tents, and they offer different warmth. They offer different facilities, and they offer different sources of joy. Mm. Indeed. Uh, we asked people what would they like to see happen next in terms of collaboration. Uh-huh. And there seems to be an interest in having a, a kind of a community of practice uh-huh. with the uh, many organizations that's more focused on changing culture. Mm-hmm. Or some, some people call it a think tank. Some people call it a working group. Uh, some people said they'd like to see people with different backgrounds and expertise, people mm-hmm. from different regions, different levels of leadership. Mm-hmm. Um, this idea of kind of building together um, or supporting each other in promoting change. And I would mm-hmm. imagine, I would imagine if anything like that is created, it has to be done mm-hmm. very thought- thoughtfully because when you bring people together with different needs and interests, the way that they work together should be kind of mm. reflecting where they want to end up in the in their own organizations. I mean, I don't know what you think about what do you think about this idea of coming together over time? I know this. I don't know if we can come together over time and sustain it. There are so many demands. 
so many things. But what I know is that as I'm talking to you, there are so many groups that, you know, that have come together. There are so many groups that are working together. There are so many pockets of groups, but it's only that the groups are usually not known uh, because... Yeah, because they are very small, but I think even the group that is talking about well-being wouldn't be sustainable if um, if people didn't work together. So people are learning different strategies from one another, mm-hmm. and they are, they are learning different strategies from one another, and yeah, these things are happening. But, but, but I also know that, you know, it really, really takes energy. It takes a lot of energy to convene and make sure that you are there because we are working from home, many things happening. So some groups will just emerge on their, will emerge on their own and those who are keen, you know, can sustain. But I always go back to my favorite topic, energy. What kind of energy sustains these places? How long does it take to agree on values? How long does it take to understand each each other's culture? Mm. You know, um, because we've talked about culture before. Mm. And how long does it take to to come to a situation where you understand power the same way? You don't exercise it the same way, but you understand it the same way. How long does it take? And then, you know, the, the issue of language. This thing of language is not just language, it's our rituals too. Some of our rituals scare people. Mm-hmm. If you say, oh, you know, uh, in, in my culture or in my organization, this is what we do, some people might be scared. The rituals, the word rituals, there is a way people understand it, which is not the way in which perhaps I'm talking about it. Uh, some of the rituals are seen as inferior to, to others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> some of the rituals are seen as primitive. So again, the layers of class, the layers of location, the layers of, you know, all those layers that we know, if you work together and you are genuine and you really, really, you know, want to transform and you want to learn and you want to put yourselves out there and say, look, here we are, we are learning together. You have to deal with all these differences. Aha. So the energy needs to be sustained. Mm. So it would be a, a shame if it's all depleted at the beginning and then it doesn't ha- have any left at the the next part. <laughs> but, but maybe Melissa, even now, as we are talking, there are some groups that might be working together. They may not be huge, might be groups of two, four, five, six mm-hmm. that are working together. And you'll be surprised. They may not see themselves as a community of practice. Mm-hmm. But they are doing that. They write to each other. They talk about what is happening. Because I've learned that in, a, that in most gatherings that I've been part of, there will be three, four people who connect after and say, yeah, you know, I liked what you said. I'd like us to talk you know, about it. Or please get in touch. Because even then, I remember that day, two or three mm-hmm. people got in touch and we've been talking. So there is the work that you see. The organizational mm-hmm. work. There is the invisible work or hidden work that you don't see because uh, people don't get back to you and say, by the way, you know, after the convening, we go together and this is what is happening. Uh, that's a, for me, that's so beautiful when things happen kind of organically. Mm-hmm. When, you, when you have a space, ideas are exchanged, people are inspired, and then mm-hmm. outside of that space, things, beautiful things happen and it doesn't, it doesn't need to be necessarily um, formally Uh, prompted or whatnot. I I love, I love those kind of connections that form as kind of people coming together and meet each other in a space and continue the conversation elsewhere. For me, that's, uh, that's really beautiful to see. So if you had, um, we'll wrap it up now. Um, I am just curious if you have any advice for us uh, I'm a bit overwhelmed how many people were expressing so much excitement and wanting to contribute. Um, in a survey, people said uh, if they would like to, if they would be asked, they could um, volunteer to be an advocate for this kind of work inside their organizations. To Some mm-hmm. people offer, offered their coaching, they can facilitate, they can sponsor, they can offer pro bono services. Mm-hmm. People, people want to share their ideas, share what they've learned, share their experience, share their tools, um, share their mm-hmm. research. Um, people offered if, if, if we asked, uh, they could be 
helping to collect stories, best practices, to mm. do research. So it seemed like there's this huge amount of, or maybe it's changed because it's been a, a few weeks, but this mm. huge amount of uh, willingness to be part of something. Um, but at the same time, you don't want to, to do something in a way that just kind of like we were saying at the mm. beginning of our conversation, people who are working, working, working and giving, giving, giving until they're not replenished. So if you were to give us a, some advice for thinking carefully about next steps, kind of balancing mm-hmm. this enthusiasm with also our capacities um, and our need to have sustainable energy, what would you suggest we do? We think about as we decide next steps? So before I do that, just tell you that it was one of the most dynamic meetings I've ever been to. It was very interactive. It was beautiful. At the end of the day, I was left smiling like an idiot because I'd be sitting there, find myself smiling. I think, but why are you smiling? You're the arrow. Why are you smiling? Stop close your mouth. <laughs> but but I also think that the, the, the feedback you are getting testifies to that. Mm-hmm. You can see people are really engaged. Uh, going forward, my suggestion is that, and probably we've done this already, just to thank people and sending them, you know, highlights of the day, but also asking those who have something to contribute. Mm-hmm. Is it a story? Mm-hmm. Is it a song? Is it a poem? Is it a saying? Is it a proverb? Couldn't we do that? Bring them together. Bring everything that is going on. Bring it together so that people don't feel that they offered and nothing was done, but also that we don't waste the opportunity. We strike when the iron is hot. Mm-hmm. So um, if we had, imagine if we had a little book, <laughs> a pocket book, where we have got um, some of the proverbs that people thought about, some of well-being songs, you know, uh, that, that are there in their communities or even outside their communities, some organizational rituals. And we put all these together and build a resource for ourselves, a resource that came from this gathering, but also mm-hmm. the, the resources that were there before and, um, and will be used in future. That would be my entry point. Just find out if people have that time without putting pressure. No one is going to be pressured. If you don't have time, you don't have time. If you have it, you have it. Mm. And that would be um, an entry into the next phase where we now go into organizations that say, look, those that are willing, here is a resource book. But if you want to, if you want to have people that can be uh, supported so that they conduct this in the organization, mm-hmm. you know, uh, there is willingness to do that. And then we take it from there. Mm. But overall, I, I, I see a lot of enthusiasm and you know, and joy and appreciation from people who attended. Yeah, it's, a, it's such a warm feeling to, to see that kind of, there's so many people uh, working in these spaces who care uh-huh. and uh-huh. who want to be part of something that, um, I, I really liked the metaphor you used in our contextual conversations of the fruit tree. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, when it comes to cultivating cultures of care, well-being, mm-hmm. um, support, it's it's. Uh, I don't know if you want to say anything about that. But for me, the metaphor of a tree it's beautiful in so many ways, including this idea. It takes constant nurturing and it takes time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It takes being mindful to know what grounds you and really ensuring that you know that which grounds you you invest in, you know, if something grounds you, invest in it. If you are grounded by food, go and find the best food imaginable. Um, it, it's very important to know what sustains you. There is what grounds you, but what sustains you? What sustains you might just be a group of people, friends. And if you are not mindful, if you don't pay attention to them, they'll give up. And then we have to also think about uh, our skills, where we get them from, the branches, where do we get our skills from? Where do we get our learning from? Already here, you are being a branch providing learning. And, and, I, and I think we need to create those spaces, but we also need to, to look at the fruits. You mm-hmm. know, so we have got this culture where are the fruits, because there is a danger 
of talking, talking, and we forget to harvest the fruits. Surely mm. this this work must have landed somewhere where people are eating fruits, and we need to know what those fruits are. So we we sometimes we need, I think, to stop and look at the fruits and say, you know, what can we harvest from here? Uh, what can we ripen? Mm-hmm. What what is it that is so ripe that we just need the seeds? We need to scatter the seeds. Mm-hmm. And what is ready for consuming? Uh-huh. <laughs> <scatter> the seeds. <laughs> a low fring, low hanging fruit. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah. Well, hope, hope I've been uh, really energized by our conversation today. It's been so great to reconnect with you. I really appreciate uh, your work and I'd really admire your insights. And in our survey, we also had several people who uh, commented that they really enjoyed having you uh, co-facilitate the event. So I just want to thank you wholeheartedly uh, for everything uh, you've done, but also how you are and how you engage people. It really um, helps us to think uh, creatively and it brings a smile to our faces. So thank you <laughs> so much, Hope. Um, we wish you all the best. If there's any final words you'd like to share before we close, you're, you're welcome to do that. No, thanks very much. Really, really thanks. Thanks so much for creating co- spaces for conversation. I think, you know, a community is healthy. If there are spaces for conversation, such as this one, if there are spaces where people come together, not because they don't have food in their houses, but because it is the right thing to do. You know, to sit together and have conversation is nurturing and it makes people flourish. So thanks very much for that. Thank you, Hope. Thank All right, you. well, we'll see. We'll stay in touch. Yes, bye. You've been listening to Melissa Patati in conversation with Hope Jagudu. This is Embodying Change, a podcast about cultivating care and compassion in aid and development. The show is edited by Ziada Abahid. A big thanks to the initiative supporters, the CHS Alliance members, the government of Luxembourg, the UK's Foreign Commonwealth and Development Office, and the Netherlands. If you enjoyed the show, you can help us in three ways. First, you can share it with your people. Second, you can leave us a review to help others find us. And third, you can make suggestions for a future episode by emailing us at compassionateorg at chsalliance.org. We're open to your feedback and we're on the lookout for examples of good practice in the sector. We'll be back soon with another episode exploring care and compassion in aid and development. Till then, take care and be compassionate with yourself.